Awesome. You guys ready to get started? Yes. All right. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We are going to be in verse 21 first. And then we're going to jump around a little bit to other parts of the Bible. I need a church girl who go to church and read her Bible. That's right. I got one. She's right back there. She's in the door. Her name's Corbin. Hey, guys, if you didn't hear yet, I'm so excited about this, but I know there's some people who didn't hear yet. Corbin is going to have a baby in October. I'm so excited about it. I'm a freaking dad. <laughs> Anyways, um, y'all, we're so ready for it. It's going to be awesome. Uh, speaking of kids, you guys know that kid in your school or maybe in your family? I don't know. There's kind of one in every crowd that just is kind of looking to get mad at something. Like, it don't matter what it is. They just be trying to, like, get mad at everybody and everything at all times. They just get irritated at the smallest little bitty things. Right? Like, tiny. Like, you're like, bro, that is not that big a deal. Why are you so upset about it? Right? Chill out. I was that kid for a little while, y'all. I'm not going to lie. When I was, like, especially in, like, elementary school, I would, like, get out in Foursquare and get so mad about it. Because I always thought they were, like, trying to get me out on purpose. And part of me feels like at some point they just wanted to see me get really angry, so they got me out on purpose, and then I was right, but then it was just an endless loop, right? So, can I get two claps and a Ric Flair, please? Hey, one thing we're not going to do as we go through this is use opportunities of examples to make fun of each other and just talk and distract other people, um, because we are talking about friends this week and next week, and the next seven weeks after this week. So what we're not going to do is when we hear of an example of someone uh, that I want you to think about, we're not going to jab the person next to us in the ribs and be like, that's you. Because as you're going to see this week and throughout this series, that most of the problems that you have with your friend group start with you, not with them. They start with you. So if you want to be a good friend to other people, you sure as... Goodness, better look at yourself first before you do anything else. We are in Matthew chapter 5. And the reason why I ask you about this kid, you know, the kind of kid that's salty 24-7 and will just not chill out, is because there's just some people in the world who are just trying to get mad at something, right? Like, they're always angry about something. And a lot of times, I mean, think about what you know about this person. A lot of times they end up hurting someone, don't they? Whether by what they say or sometimes what they do. I've been watching this documentary on Netflix about these dudes that play basketball at a school in, in Los Angeles who they're like basically about to go into jail. Like their life is so messed up that if they don't, if they don't follow everything going on at this school and do everything right, they're basically probably going to end up in jail because of the way their life has gone so far. And this one dude, he's just trying to get mad at everybody. He's like mad at the refs. He's mad at his teammates. He thinks every, everybody in the world is out to get him. And so he ends up like punching the lockers and breaking some stools and sometimes hurting his teammates. Um, he gets angry a lot. And I want to start there because I think it's really easy to think about somebody else out there who is that way that you know. Um, but the reality is you are actually that person more often than you think. You just don't recognize it. Or maybe you don't want to recognize it. Okay? And I am that way Two, we're starting a new series tonight called All of My Best Friends. Because guess what? In middle school, y'all have no idea how to be friends with each other. I'm not just talking about y'all. I'm talking about middle schoolers in general. Y'all think you know what it's like to interact with each other and have fun and be good friends. And basically, 
most of the things that you learn while you're in middle school just from each other about being friends with each other is not going to last. A lot of times, I know that's true, because even by the time you get to eighth grade, the way that you are friends with someone is drastically different compared to the way that you are friends with someone in sixth grade, right? Like there was somebody you were close to in sixth grade, and now you're in eighth grade, and you don't want anything to do with that person because the rules have changed, right? The game is different. You get to high school, it changes again. And then you get to college, and nobody could care less about all the petty drama and all the kind of stuff that happens in middle school and high school. So... It's a big deal to you right now because you're in it, and I hear that, and I got you, but I'm here to tell you it's not going to last forever, and you need to be setting foundations right now for the way that you act with people around you that will set you up for success to be a good friend both now and in the future, and we're going to start here tonight around the topic of anger and everything that comes with it because it's at the root of a lot of the problems that we have. We're in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 21. And we're going to start there where Jesus is basically, he's called four of his disciples. How many disciples did Jesus have total, did you know? Twelve. Twelve, twelve were his first, right? That's seven. What am I doing? <laughs> he had twelve. I guess my brain was like, this represents ten and then here's two. I don't know. But anyway, um, he had twelve. At this point, he's only called four of them. But he turns around and looks behind him and, whoa, there are thousands of people following him everywhere he goes. So he decides, I'm going to tell these people what it means to be in the kingdom of God. Because these people think they know what's going on with God. They're like, oh yes, I'm good. God came to the Jewish people and he told them there would be a Messiah one day. And until that day comes, we're just going to do all the laws right. And Jesus goes, you think that's what it is, but actually there's a lot more going on. And what Jesus is about to say in Matthew chapter 5 verses 21 through 24. I said 26, but we're going to end in 24. Um, What he's about to say is the beginning of a big section where he goes, you think you know what's going on here. You heard that it was said this way, but I'm here to tell you it's actually much deeper and worse than that. So we're going to start in verse 21. We're going to read through verse 24. We're going to pray, and then we're going to dive into it together. Here we go. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. You have heard that it was said to our ancestors, do not murder, and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, Everyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. And whoever says to his brother, you fool, or some, one translation says, you idiot, the Hebrew word is raka. It means you don't have anything in your hands to prove that you are good or worthy. You're empty-handed. You poor little jerk. You are stupid. That's what it means. Whoever says to his brother, fool, will be subject to the court. But whoever says, uh, you, sorry, whoever insults his brother will be subject to the court. Whoever says, you, you moron or you fool, will be subject to hellfire. So if you are offering your gift on the altar and there, while you're offering your gift, you remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with your brother and then come and give your gift. Let's pray, guys. Father, thank you for this section of scripture, the things that Jesus has said. God, I pray that we would pay attention, that we would see the truth you have for us, and that it would help us to be good friends with each other, God, that we would kill the ideas we thought were good um, and realize the better things that you have for us tonight, God. Guys, if you would take a second, pray for yourself. Ask God to speak to you tonight. Ask him to teach you something through his word. And pray for me too, that he would use me and I'd be helpful to you. Jesus, we love you. Like I said, we're grateful for this time together, so please use it. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's dig into this. 
Jesus is a really good teacher. I don't know if you knew that. But Jesus is actually the best teacher that the world has ever seen. So you got some teachers you don't like. Just, just, just think, one day you're going to get to live with Jesus forever, especially, I mean, if you have a relationship with him, and you won't have to deal with the bad parts of who that teacher is to you anymore. You will have him instead. And one of the cool things that Jesus does is he starts, especially here, with something that we know really well. A lot of good teachers will do this, right? A teacher who wants to give you a really solid point will set, will set up a situation and say, Hey, you understand this? You know how this works? Okay, since you know how this works, then let me tell you how this thing over here I'm trying to teach you about is similar and how it makes sense, okay? And here's what he's doing. He's starting at the beginning of verse 21 with something that we all know, even now, as not part of those thousands of people who are following Jesus, we get this part really, really well. And here's what he says. He says in verse 21, you have heard that it was said to our ancestors, do not murder, and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. This is what Jesus is saying. You know what it means. When I say murderers deserve judgment, everybody in this room agree? Murderers deserve judgment. We all get that, right? We understand that that's true. And I think it's pretty easy for us to understand that's true for a couple of reasons. First of all, if you grew up around church at all, you know that Jesus is quoting from what here? What do you think? It's from Exodus. What happened in Exodus? The Ten Commandments. Moses was given the Ten Commandments. Ten rules for what it looks like to live in God's kingdom. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you're going to be around God, you're going to say you're going to have a relationship with God, you're going to have to act like this. It started with the Ten Commandments. And now Jesus comes here and he quotes Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. And in that verse it says, do not murder. Don't murder people, right? Murderers deserve judgment. Why do murderers deserve judgment? Number one, because God said don't do it. But number two, the reason why God said don't do it, it is severely unnatural to us, right? Like, honestly, it is so backwards from the way that normal humans work. It's why when you watch people actually like, not like, not like war movies, but like movies where people intentionally murder someone, it's kind of creepy, right? Like, if there's a movie where somebody plans a murder and then they do it and they get away with it and you see that story in front of you, it feels really weird because it's backwards from the way that we know things and the way that we understand things. It's backwards because the person that, that just got murdered was made in the image of God. God deserves glory. He deserves honor. He deserves recognition. He deserves respect. And so all of his people were made in his image. And if those people get murdered, it means that that glory and that honor and that respect that that person should have been treated with just got beat up to pieces and thrown in the trash. It feels really bad, right? Because the image of God has been tarnished. That person is deserving of respect. So we understand that murderers deserve judgment because without the threat of judgment hanging over people's heads when they're deciding whether or not they're going to murder somebody, that would just basically plunge the world into chaos, wouldn't it? If the threat of judgment wasn't there and murderers could just do whatever they wanted and get away with it, everything would fall apart, wouldn't it? So many people would die. So much pain would be experienced. So much blood would be spilled on the earth. It would be chaos. And we know this. And you're probably thinking, duh, Ty. I understand this. You're making a lot of sense on something that I have known for a very long time. Why do you keep saying this over and over again? Because Jesus just called you a murderer. I don't know if you noticed that, but he just called you a murderer in this section. He starts with what we know, and then he ties it to other things. You might be thinking, I'm not a murderer, but I'm here to tell you, oh, yes, you are. And so am I and everybody else in this room with us. So... 
The reality that we know, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The reality that we know is that murder deserves judgment. The reality we know is murder deserves judgment. That's what Jesus says in verse 21. So we start with the reality that we know. The fruit that we see on the tree in front of us is that murder deserves judgment, right? That makes perfect sense. But the root that we miss is in verse 22. So the reality we know, murder deserves judgment. The root that we miss is in verse 22. It says this. I tell you, Jesus says, but I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. And whoever says to his brother, fool, will be subject to the courts. And whoever says, you, you moron, will be subject to, to hellfire. It says it a little bit different up here. People who insult, people who um, call their, their brother or sister fool. Jesus is doing another teaching pattern here, right? This is a Hebrew thing. The way that people spoke and wrote things in Hebrew, this part was written down in Greek, but Jesus spoke in Hebrew. So he, and he grew up learning Hebrew and Aramaic, which is very, very, very close to Hebrew. It's kind of like uh, Spanish and Portuguese. They're really close, but they're not exactly the same. And what they would do is they would, they would say a sentence one way, and then they would say the next sentence almost the same way, with some words exactly the same, and then they would change out a couple words. And the changed words are the ones you have to pay attention to, because they are in the same place as the first words were, and if they're changed, but they're in the same place, that means they are connected, and they are connected on purpose. So Jesus uses this pattern. His pattern is, whoever blank deserves blank. So let's look how Jesus fills in those, those spaces, okay? Verse 22, he says, well, let's back up, actually. Verse 21, he says, whoever what? What's it? If you have your Bible in front of you, what does it say? Whoever what in verse 21? Murders. Whoever murders, okay, will be subject to what? Or deserves what? Judgment. Judgment. Okay, now let's look in verse 22. He carries the pattern on. Verse 22, I tell you, everyone who what? Is angry. Is angry with his brother deserves what? Judgment. Judgment. Okay, so only one thing changed here. What changed? Anger and murder. Okay, let's keep going. There's more here to make this picture a little more detailed. Second part, whoever says to his brother fool, or this translation says whoever insults his brother, right? I just filled in the blank for you. So it's whoever what? Insults his brother or says you fool will be subject to or deserves what? Judgment or the courts, right? This one says the court. This version says the Sanhedrin. That was their name for the court. It's like saying the Supreme Court. Same thing. Okay? So now we have whoever murders, whoever is angry, whoever insults, deserves judgment, deserves judgment, deserves the court. All right, what's the next one? Last part of verse 22. Whoever says what? You fool. You fool, you moron. What was the Hebrew word? Do you guys remember? Raka. It's the only time that word is used in the entire Bible, New Testament or Old Testament. And it means like, you idiot. It literally means empty-handed. You empty-handed one. You don't have anything, you poor little jerk. You don't have anything in your brain. You don't have anything in your hands. You don't have anything in your heart. You are empty, right? It's kind of like going up to somebody and be like, hello, anybody in there? Like knocking on their head, right? It's the same thing. So whoever murders, whoever is angry, whoever insults, whoever calls their friend what? Or their brother what? Raka. Raka, or you fool, or you idiot, or my Bible says moron. Will be subject to or deserves what? Whoa. That last word is different. What's the last one say in verse 22 for you guys? Fires of hell, hell, hellfire. Jesus just went 0 to 100 so fast, did he not? Whoever murders deserves judgment. Whoever gets angry deserves judgment. Whoever insults deserves the court. Whoever calls his friend a fool deserves hellfire. 
It kind of seems like the two spaces kind of flipped, right? We start with murder deserves judgment. Murder's pretty crazy, right? But the more you go down this list, murder, angry, insults, you fool. Calling my friend you fool, that's not as big a deal as murdering them, right? Doesn't feel like it. On the other side, we've got judgment, judgment courts, hell. Whoa. That is a big deal here. Jesus is trying to show something here, okay? Look at this. Whoever does the thing, the thing that they do, the thing that they are, that space is the fruit, okay? If you eat certain fruits, certain things may happen to you, right? You guys ever seen The Hunger Games? Or read The Hunger Games? Okay, for those of you who haven't, we're about to spoil it for you, sorry. But it's literally almost 10 years old, so catch up, okay? But anyway, um, here's, here's what happens. At the end of the movie, at the end of the book, Peta and Katniss want to go against everybody in the government and, and not let there be one winner of the games. And so they say, instead of there being no, one winner, there's going to be no winners. So we're going to take these berries that are poisonous and we're going to both eat them at the same time so that we both die and the government doesn't get to have one winner because the games they're playing in, they have to kill each other to the death and they don't like it. So they're like, this is the only way you can fight back against the government because it's really oppressive. It's a whole thing. But the point is, they eat the berries and what happens? Yeah, they don't actually they, eat the berries. They, they spit them out. The but if they ate the berries and swallowed them, they would die. There's a lot of fruit in the world like that. Poisonous fruit. There's animals that are poisonous. There are some frogs that are just super colorful straight up because if you eat them, you will die. So it's like, don't touch me, right? Like flashing lights. Um, I will kill you, right? Frogs aren't fruit, but it's the same idea. There are certain things that you ingest that will do things to you, Okay. And when you commit to something like a fruit and eat it and swallow it all the way into your stomach, you got to deal with it until it goes all the way through. Right? Like you're committed. If I eat anything with, with milk in it or if I drink milk, i got to commit or i got to go to the hospital and get my stomach pumped. And either way, it's going to be miserable because lactose and my body do not agree. So it will not be good. But if I eat, if I eat the lactose, it will mess with my body because when you consume a food – it has a result. Sometimes it tastes good and sometimes things are good and other times it is not good and it is bad for you. So Jesus is saying, you consume this thing, then this is what's going to happen to you. You murder somebody, you're going to get judgment. Makes perfect sense. We already all agree, right? You get angry with your brother or sister, you also deserve judgment, okay? You insult your brother or sister, you need to go to court, you call your friend a fool, an idiot, empty-handed, raka, whatever you want to call him. You look at your parents and go, okay, boomer. That's <laughs> what he's saying. You deserve the fires of hell, people. What on earth is Jesus saying here? Here's what he's saying. You ever gone up to an apple tree? And to the left, there's an apple that's about as big as your fist if you were to ball it up. And then to the right, there's one that's like four times that size. And it's completely different. Do you know that those two apples are going to taste completely different from each other? I eat the big one. The smaller one is not going to be anywhere close to as sweet as the big one is. It's going to be a little more bitter. It's going to be harder to eat. It's going to be almost a completely different fruit from the big one. It's going to maybe look and feel similar might taste a little similar, but it's going to be very different from it. Even one single bunch of bananas can have very different bananas in it, can't it? Multiple fruit can come out in very different ways from the same root. And this is what Jesus is trying to say. 
murder, insulting your friend, getting unnecessarily angry with them, they all come back to the same root. And that is an attitude in your heart that you are better than the person next to you. That you are better than the person that you're insulting. That you're better than the person you're murdering. The answer lies in your hands or your mouth or your head or however you want to fix the problem. So I want to ask you this question. Look at your actions. How are, your, how are you treating your friends? What does your fruit look like? Are you insulting to the people around you? Do you diss them all the time? Do you make fun of them? Boys, y'all are the worst about this. You are so bad at this. Girls, you're not much better. You just play games while you do it. You act like you're not doing it, but then you go do it with all your friends when the other person's not there. That's how you do it. Boys, y'all just do it to each other's faces. But here's the thing. I've heard it said all the time that like girls, like you show love to your best friends by being like, oh my gosh, you're so pretty. I love you so much. You're so great. But at the same time, also, you say that to people you don't like, so chill out. That's not how you show love to your friends. And then you say guys are the ones that you just diss each other and you make fun of each other and that's how you show love to your friends. But I want y'all to hear something here. I want y'all to hear something here. Every single time somebody says something about you, every single time you say something about somebody else, it is always, even if it's 1%, rooted in truth. Always. So you make fun of your friend and tell him his head looks like a mop? (laughs) You might believe it to a point that it doesn't make a big deal to you. But what if that guy's been really insecure about the way his hair has looked for a long time? You laugh, but I'm telling you, listen... You say, wow, dude, your hair looks like trash. I'm just kidding. You look awful. Dude, I love you. You're great. Girls, you go to someone who you don't like. And they're in front of you at school, lunch, at Fuse. It could be anywhere. And they walk up to you and you're like, oh my gosh, I love your shirt. It's so pretty. And then she walks away. Wow, her shirt is so ugly. (laughs) I want to read some verses to you, okay? I want to just read some verses to you and then I want you to ask yourself what you're doing. Okay? These are words straight from God. Listen to what he says. Proverbs 26, verses 18 and 19. Like a madman who throws flaming darts and fiery arrows is the man who insults his friend and says, I was only joking. You can make fun of your friends as much as you want to. But I promise you, there's going to be a day where you hit a tipping point. Where you've made fun of them so many times, they explode. We make fun of other people because we think we're better than them. Not because it's just funny. Not because it's not just a big deal. Jesus is so serious about this. He says that you call your friend an idiot, you deserve hell for calling your friend an idiot. Do you know why? Here's why. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. It says this. God created a man in whose image? His image. He created them in the image of God. He created them male and female. And after God created the people, it says that he said it was very good. There's only one thing that God created that he said was very good. And it was us, people. So if God's over here saying people are very good... They are great. I love them. I'm going to die for them one day. And we're over here going, you idiot. Does that sound like God? 
Not the God that the Bible tells us about. Now there are moments where God comes to people after they made really stupid decisions and he needs to make a point and he goes, what's wrong with you? Actually, Paul in the letter to the Galatians, Paul's, Paul's writing and he's speaking on behalf of God to this church in Galatia and he starts off by going, Paul, the Apostle Paul in Christ Jesus to the church that meets in the home of whoever in Galatia. I am astounded at how idiotic and how foolish you have been. But it's because they directly went against God's word and they knew it. And they chose to do it. There is a place and time for this. But just making fun of your friends because it's funny to you is not one of them. The word here in Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, when it says he created man in his own image, this word right here is Adam. It's spelled A-D-A-M. What else is spelled A-D-A-M? Adam means humanity. Eve means life. So the story in Genesis 1, 2, and 3 is about all of us. It's about human life. It's not just about a guy named Adam and a girl named Eve because the author chose those names. Humanity is worthy of respect because they are human. So when you're treating other people like they're not worthy of respect, there's a disconnect here. You've forgotten who you are. If you're dissing your friends and making fun of them, it's because you forgot you were made in the image of God. Because let me tell you, let me just ask you actually, whenever your friends make fun of you, do you enjoy it? Even if it's funny, do you enjoy it? No, but you're going to smile and you're going to laugh and you're going to act like everything's perfect because you want them to like you. Guys, if your friends have to make fun of you so that you can stay friends with them, they're not your friends. They're using you to feel better about themselves. So if you're making fun of your friends, you're not friends with that person. You're using that person. That is backwards from the way that you were made to live. Jesus warns big time that this is worthy of something really, 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 really serious. Because it's a really, really, really big deal to treat God's people like they are not God's people. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, he gives us the, the, we had the reality that we know, the root that we miss. This is the repair or the, the remedy that we need. The fix that we need is in chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. Jesus says, if you go to the church and you're offering your gift on the altar and while you're there, you remember, oh, my brother or sister has something against me. You need to drop your offering at the altar, leave it there, go find the person, fix it with them, reconcile with them, and then come back to where you were to worship God. This is what Jesus is saying. If you're at church trying to convince God that the things between you and him are good and everything's great and trying to convince yourself that you're good, but you know there's somebody out there who is angry with you because you treated them like trash instead of like the image of God, you need to stop what you're doing here, go fix it with them, and then come back. Because you will never find harmony with God if you don't choose to live in harmony with other people around you. You may already have a relationship with him. You may already be saved, but you don't know why you can't hear his voice. It's because you're living like everybody else around you, not like the God who loves you. Can you imagine what the world would be like if God just decided to diss us every time we messed up or every time he saw something we did, that he didn't like? It would be awful. Things like, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans to, 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 to protect you, plans to give you a hope and a future, that verse wouldn't exist. God would be like, I don't care what happens to you. You're an idiot. If you crash and burn, then whatever. <laughs> Good luck. The world would be in chaos if God felt this way. 
But it's better for both of you if you seek to reconcile with them before you try to convince God that you've got everything together. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 2, Jesus starts, I don't have the verse for this, I don't think. He, ha- he starts off his whole sermon on the mount by saying this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. You want what God has for you? You need to recognize how broken you already have been in your life. How messed up you already are. That's why we sang the song, I Thank God. Wandering into the night. Wanting a place to hide. This weary soul and bag of bones that I've got, I wanted to just hide it away. I tried with all my might, but I just couldn't win the fight. This... I said, I'm slowly drifting, or I was slowly drifting, a vagabond. It means somebody who just doesn't have a place to live, just falling up to pieces. And just when I ran off the road, I met a man that I didn't know. And when I saw him, he told me that I'm not alone. He picked me up, he turned me around, put my feet on solid ground. I thank the Savior, I thank God. He, he healed my heart, he changed my name. Forever free, I'm not the same. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, I thank God. The second verse says, I cannot deny what I've seen. I don't have any choice but to believe. My doubts are burning like ashes in the wind. So, so long to my old friend's burden, which is the weight of carrying everything on your own, and bitterness, angriness at everything around you, and just madness, the saltiness that those people feel 24-7. So long to those old friends. You can just keep moving, you're not welcome here. So from now until I walk the streets of gold with Jesus, I will sing of how he saved my soul. This wayward son has found his way back home. If you don't recognize that that's true about you, you will spend the rest of your middle school years and all of your high school years and for a lot of people, all of your adulthood years trying to get other people to like you by using them and making fun of them, which doesn't make sense. I'm going to treat you like you're trash so that you like me. What? Or so that this other person over here likes me. Even worse. The people in God's kingdom know that they're messed up and it changes the way they treat each other. So what kind of friend are you? What are you seeking? Real friends, I should have this. Real friends seek... Nope, I guess not. It's supposed to be on there. Real friends seek to reconcile with each other. Fake friends seek a fight at all times. They seek to use. Are you using the people around you or are you treating them like they're made in the image of God? We're going to... Finish right here. Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 7 says, We ourselves, we were once foolish. We were disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures. Passing our days in malice. We were spending our whole day just being mad and angry and in envy, jealousy of each other. Hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of anything we did in works of righteousness, but by his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. What that means is we were broken, messed up, and twisted, but Jesus saved us anyway, not because we did everything right. And now that we know that, we should live like that's true. So who do you need to make things right with? Who's mad at you? Who's mad at you? Because you insulted them. Who are you mad at? And you want to insult. It doesn't matter if you say it to their face or if you say it to your other friends. If you have to sin to keep friends around, they are not your friends. So who do you need to reconcile with? Do you need to reconcile with God? Do you need to trust that his love, his death and resurrection on the cross and out of the tomb three days later is enough for you? Because if you go try to seek reconciliation with anybody else but you don't have a source of life from God, you will not find it. 
If you already have a relationship with God, who do you need to ask forgiveness from? Do you need to ask forgiveness from God or do you need to ask forgiveness from somebody else? Where on the spectrum are you? Once you know who it is and you don't go reconcile with them, don't be surprised when you can't hear God's voice. Don't be surprised when you feel like He's not answering your prayers. It's not because He's not. It's because you're not listening for His actual voice. Choose to live life the way that He made it for you, which is to reconcile with each other, to treat each other with respect and with honor. Your friends, the adults that are in leadership above you, your siblings and the other kids that you might lead, Everybody, every single human is deserving of respect and honor because they're a human. Anything less, you're just using that person to get something that you want. And thank God he doesn't treat us that way. He is good and he loves you. And if you're treating your friends like that, it's not over for you. This is changeable. God didn't say, Jesus didn't say that if you're treating your friends like trash, that you're done for, it's over with, sorry. He says all these things. If this is who you are and this is what you're doing, this is what it's deserving of. So if you recognize that that's you, look at verses 23 and 24 again. This is where we're going to end it. He says, if you recognize that this is you in verse 23, then go find that person and reconcile with them. He doesn't say if you recognize that this is you, it's over with. Sorry, game over. You're going to hell. He says, go find them and be reconciled with them. Realize that it wasn't that big a deal. Jesus paid for it all, and it's all, it's all been covered. The choice is whether or not you're going to live like that's true. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you know you need to be reconciled to him, then, then I want you to have that opportunity. Because every time we get together and we talk about God, we give you a clear and definite opportunity to respond to the gospel of Jesus. So if you want a relationship with Jesus and you don't have one yet, you know you need to reconcile with him before you start reconciling with other people, would you just look at my eyes really fast? Just really quick. Okay. Those of y'all who looked at me, look again. Don't look down. If you looked at me, don't look down. Look back at me, people who looked at me. You see these adults around you? These are the people who are here to talk to you about it. So don't leave without having a conversation with them about it. Talk to them. Ask questions. Myself, Charlie, Corbin, Sarita, Jenna, everybody. We're all here for that. For those of you who do have a relationship with Jesus, get your trash taken care of with the people who have reasons to be angry at you. Treat them like they're worthy of honor and respect. It's really simple. Jesus says in this sermon, treat others the way you want them to treat you. You don't want to get made fun of, don't make fun of them. And just as an added bonus, don't murder them either. Don't forget that one. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to be done, and then we're going to all get signed up for intensity tomorrow. Here we go. Father, thank you for treating us with love and with care. Thank you for dying for us on the cross. I pray that you would help us live like that's true. For the people that looked at me, God, I pray that you would help them to talk to somebody in this room that you wouldn't just let them leave and be comfortable about it. And I pray that you would help the people in the room who already have a relationship with you to reconcile with their friends, to stop making fun of each other and using each other for a cheap laugh. 
Help us trust you for joy in the fun moments of our lives instead of using other people. We love you, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.